0: Welcome to the Lowens Louvre podcast series on the Swiss corporate law reform. After being in the making for almost 20 years, this reform touches a wide area of topics, ranging from gender equality to more flexible capital structures. My name is Lara and I am a junior associate in the Swiss corporate m and team of Lowens Louvre. In today's podcast, I'm here to talk with my colleague Valerie, an associate in the Swiss corporate m and team of Loins Louvre. This podcast series is divided into five short episodes. Each episode introduces a main topic and elaborates on its main pitfalls, challenges and implications. Each podcast is straight to the point. We aim to focus only on those topics that are the most relevant for you. Whether you want to learn about electronic resolutions and virtual meetings, duties of the board of directors, corporate governance for listed entities, Changes related to share capital or shareholders activism, this is the podcast for you. Let's embark on this journey together.
1: In the first episodes of this podcast, we talked about different aspects of modernizing corporate law. Another goal of the corporate law reform is to strengthen different corporate governance aspects. This includes the strengthening of rights of minority shareholders as well as facilitating the exercise of shareholders' lawsuits, since in practice shareholders rarely file lawsuits, especially as long as the company has not been declared bankrupt. In the next minutes, we will be talking about the upcoming amendments in Swiss corporate law, that impact minority rights and shareholder lawsuits and might therefore have an impact on shareholder activism in Switzerland in the near future.
0: Let's first have a look at minority rights of shareholders of a Swiss company. These are commonly grouped into the following types of rights. First, monetary rights, which include the right to receive dividend or liquidation proceeds. Second, participation rights, covering among others the right to have a general meeting being convened the right to place items on the agenda and vote at the general meeting. Third, we have information rights, entitling shareholders to receive information on the company required to enforce their participation rights. And lastly, there are control rights to effectively enforce shareholders' rights.
1: One of the most important changes are the lowering of threshold requirements for minority shareholders to exercise their participation rights. For example, the threshold for having a general meeting be convened will stay at 10% in case of private companies, but be lowered to a 5% share in the capital or voting rights for listed entities. Different thresholds have been implemented for listed and private companies, since they have proven to be too high for listed companies in the past, which mostly have a very broad shareholder base and thus prevent minority shareholders from effectively exercising their rights.
0: Another threshold that has been lowered is the one for placing items on the agenda of a general meeting. It is currently at a 10% shareholding or a shareholding with an aggregate nominal value of 1 million Swiss francs. For listed entities, the new threshold will be 0.5% of the share capital, voting rights or the participation capital. For private companies, it will be lowered to 5% of the share capital or the voting rights. The new threshold for placing items on the agenda is significantly lower than the one for convening a general meeting. This should incentivize shareholders to use the right to have items placed on the agenda rather than the convocation of a general meeting, since convening a general meeting is mostly more burdensome and expensive for the company involved.
1: Moving away from the threshold requirements, the Swiss corporate law reform is also going to restrict the freedom of the general meeting to dismiss the auditor with immediate effect without providing reasons. So far, auditors could be removed at any time without providing reasons. According to the new provisions, an auditor may only be removed by the general meeting for good cause. The reason has to be disclosed in the notes to the annual financial statements. This change aims at protecting minority shareholders as well as other parties who rely on the auditor and information prepared by the auditor in its report in situations where majority shareholders have an incentive to dismiss the auditor. Still, when the term of office of the statutory auditor expires, this new rule does not prevent the appointment of a different auditor for the next term.
0: Let me illustrate what a good cause could be by looking into EU legislation where a similar rule already exists. A good cause might be available if a company decides to appoint the same company as auditor that is already acting as auditor for the other group companies, for sake of simplicity. Also, appointing a less expensive auditor might be considered a good reason since the removal of the current auditor would not have a direct
1: adverse impact on the minority shareholders or other third parties. Further, the corporate law reform will amend the mechanism for shareholders of private companies to receive information from the board of directors outside the general meetings. Shareholders of a private company who hold at least 10% of the share capital or voting rights have the right to request written information from the Board of Directors at any time, and not only at the general meeting of shareholders, as this is currently the case. As an additional new rule, strengthening the position of the shareholders in this context, the Board of Directors has to respond to the information request within four months. The answers can also be provided during an upcoming shareholders meeting, as long as the deadline is met. So far, it is proved to be one of the means of the board to effectively prevent access to information.
0: As a matter of equal treatment of shareholders, all information that is provided outside a general meeting of shareholders must be made available for inspection at the next general meeting of shareholders. Alternatively, it is also possible to share the written answers of the board of directors directly with all shareholders. This can for instance be done electronically.
1: However. In practice, the process is rarely followed as smoothly as described. For this reason, in addition to the right to information, shareholders may also enforce access to internal company information that is necessary to exercise their rights by filing a court claim for information and inspection or a special audit. As such, this instrument is not new to Swiss corporate law, but thanks to the reform, a 30-day time limit for action will be implemented starting from the moment of refusal of the information or inspection request.
0: This was just the perfect transition to the second part of today's podcast, shareholder lawsuits. Generally speaking, lawsuits should be facilitated in the future by extending the scope of possible defendants and reducing the relative limitation periods for claims from five to three years to align it with other limitation periods. Regarding specific types of lawsuits foreseen in Swiss corporate law, the following changes will be implemented. First, the new law will be complemented with a provision entitling the general meeting to resolve that the company shall claim the surrender of unlawfully obtained benefits or to sue its board of directors and all persons involved in the management of the company for breach of their duties. Second, The calculation of damages in case of personal liability claims against executive bodies will be specified due to highly criticized jurisprudence of the federal Supreme Court. And third, the scope of claimants entitled to file an action for dissolution of a company will be extended.
1: Starting off with the action for restitution, this is a legal remedy for the recovery of unjustified payments made by the company to shareholders, members of the board of directors and persons closely associated with them, as well as persons involved in the management and members of the advisory board. This clarifies that de facto corporate bodies are also covered by the personal scope of this restitution action.
0: Moreover, the claim for restitution is one of the examples in which the statute of limitations is adjusted. Instead of a single five-year limitation period, the concept of a double statute of limitations with a short relative and a longer absolute limitation period is introduced. This means that the claim for repayment of unlawfully obtained benefits now becomes time barred three years after the company or the shareholder has become aware of it, but in any case, 10 years after the claim arose. The standardization and at the same time simplification of the limitation periods is intended to serve legal certainty.
1: Another legal action that will undergo a certain change is the personal liability action against board members and other executive bodies. When invoking this action, the company needs to have suffered damages. In the future, the law will expressly stipulate that claims of company creditors that rank behind all other creditors are excluded in the calculation of the company's loss. This exclusion of claims subject to subordination relates to a revision of the Swiss restructuring law. Subordination is not in itself a restructuring measure, as some of you might already know. However, it is often an important first step in the restructuring of a company. In subordination, a creditor of an over indebted company declares that this creditor will waive payment of the relevant claim until the other creditors have been satisfied. If the restructuring subsequently fails and the company is declared bankrupt, the board of directors might become liable for the loss incurred by the company.
0: In fact, this adjustment can be seen as a correction of federal Supreme Court practice, which currently makes subordinations and the restructuring of a company more difficult. According to the federal Supreme Court practice, claims subject to subordination have to be included in the calculation of damages in connection with a liability action in case a restructuring failed and the company was declared bankrupt. This result met with criticism as the Board of Directors had acted dutifully in the case of valid subordinations.
1: Moving on to another type of lawsuit, the so-called Voting Rights Action or Stimmrechtsklage, some small amendments are made to the right to participate in the General Meeting of Shareholders. The future provision will explicitly mention that besides shareholders, proxies and members of the Board of Directors, also members of the Executive Board are entitled to attend the General Meeting. In addition, the revised law will explicitly state that both members of the Board of Directors and of the Executive Board may speak on all agenda items, provided that they are present at the general meeting. This will affect the grounds that may be invoked in a voting rights action, which serves the purpose to challenge resolutions of the general meeting of shareholders, passed while either persons who were not entitled to participate in the general meeting were present or persons who were entitled to participate were not duly invited.
0: In addition to all the shareholder lawsuits we have talked about so far, there is also the action for dissolution as ultima ratio. The corporate law reform will lead to a small change in this context as well. Under the revised provisions, not only shareholders who together hold at least 10% of the share capital but also those who hold more than 10% of the votes can file a lawsuit to dissolve the company for good cause. When assessing whether there is good cause for this action, the financial interests of the parties involved are particularly decisive. With respect to private companies, a dissolution for good cause may therefore be appropriated if there is an abuse of the controlling position by the majority shareholder. For example, this could be the case when excessive remuneration is paid or when decisions are made outside the official meetings
1: disregarding
0: the company's interests.
1: Nevertheless, the court may still order a different solution if appropriate and reasonable for the parties. A common alternative measure than the winding up of a company would be the acquisition of the shares of the company. Especially in the case of privately held companies whose minority shareholders are restricted in selling their shares to third parties, the action for this solution serves to enable the parties involved to exit the company in cases of hardship.
0: Coming to an end of today's podcast, there are going to be quite some changes in connection with minority rights and shareholder lawsuits. Until now, shareholder lawsuits in Switzerland have been rare. In the past, they have often only been used as a threat and have had preventive effect. This usually led to out-of-court settlements. It remains to be seen whether the planned amendments will actually lead to more shareholder lawsuits in practice or only constitute formal changes with the intention to strengthen shareholders' position.
1: This was the third out of five episodes of the Lawrence & podcast series on the Swiss corporate law reform. We hope you enjoyed it and thank you for your interest. If you require any further information, trainings, materials or if you have any specific question, please get in touch with us. You can find our contact details and additional information on the website under lawensluft.ch or connect with us on LinkedIn.